A lot can happen in a year. Trends, debuts, world-altering events, and pop culture and film is there to reflect it all back to us generations down the line. Welcome to the A Year in Film podcast, presented by Hollywood Suite. I'm your host, Becky Shrimpton, and today I'm joined by film and content specialist Cam Maitland and comedian and podcaster Graham Clark. The disaster movie has, most unfortunately, gone out of style in the wake of apocalyptic events being prevented and perpetrated by superheroes. However, it is one when it rears its multifaceted head, gives you a serious bang for your buck. The 70s were rife with fantastic disaster movies like The Towering Inferno, Earthquake, and one of my personal new favorites, The Poseidon Adventure, which I think I have mentioned at least four times this season so far. And then a little movie called Airplane took all the fun out of the genre by adding a bunch of, well, fun. The 80s released a few solid nuclear fear-based movies like The Day After we discussed in our first season, but don't worry, the advent of CGI and the lack of any discernible American international enemy in a pre-9-11 world left plenty of room for twisters, titanics, and turbulence to wow us all. Let's talk the 90s disaster movie boom, which is like really three years, like 96 to like 99. Cam, what do you think? I mean, I think it depends on if you can't something like Jurassic Park is a disaster movie, which I would. I feel like that kind of helped. Or, But yeah, I, I know what you mean. There's what Part of the reason we are looking at these ones is we briefly considered 1997 as also the year of Dante's Peak slash yeah. Volcano. I remember it well, yeah. <laughs> yes. So it's like, yeah, this was just a genre which is still kind of, you know, Roland Emmerich comes now and again to put Gerard Butler in danger usually <laughs> these days. But yeah, you're right. It's something where like, it's just like the perfect moment where practical effects and CGI. And I I think when I was, I was trying to think like, why, why was this the nineties? And also is this, we're all more or less the same age cohort. So is this just rocking chair nostalgia <laughs> where we're like ah yeah it's the best time but no i think it's like a thing where there was always something new that you had not seen yet on screen and so it felt like every time these movies were showing something somewhat realistically right i remember independence day the trailer in the theater knocked everybody's socks off because mm-hmm. it was you were seeing these uh iconic landmarks blowing up and it's <laughs> yes. just like oh this this is going to be the greatest movie and it was, you know what uh, it was. we're going to get to bill yeah. clinton's yeah. love of these movies and apparently he still to this day quotes independence day independence day is his favorite he still oh wishes that aliens had come into fruition while he was president like <laughs> he would have been a good president for that he's a good speaker uh, yeah <laughs> he wouldn't try to have sex <laughs> with the aliens oh. well i mean that's that's his own business <laughs> okay fair enough what goes on behind closed doors Uh, (laughs) but yeah it's a it's a very interesting situation because you're yeah and it was the movies that excited me is it's kind of it's not a family movie because these movies are pretty violent but Mm -hmm. these movies are also rated like pg like as violent as they are i think this was kind of a thing that you would bring an older kid to and grandma yeah like (laughs) twister was a family film right yeah yeah twister for sure and I remember Twister being also like that blew my mind. Like seeing oh, yeah. them make a tornado <laughs> was it's it sounds so old timey, but it's like that was crazy in nineteen ninety six or whatever. It's like you say, it was like some mix of if if they knew what they were doing, it's a mix of good practical effects and then CG. But some of the movies didn't have access no. to good CG, and I no. think one of them you'll hear about today. <laughs> And I mean, some I think some of them just they leaned either way, and it was a choice, and maybe they made the right choice. Also, sometimes I think they blew a ton of money, as we will also talk about, uh, not using CGI, and maybe they regret that. Well, right. this is yeah, something I, I think is really interesting that I kind of want to bring up here is that we didn't have any international enemies really in the late Mm. 90s before 9-11, right? In 9-11, neither of these movies would have gotten made like any time after that for at least a decade. Um, And I think that's kind of interesting to see, okay, who are our villains and who can we fight against, right? So like in Independence Mm -hmm. Day, there's like this huge speech which rallies the world, perpetrated by the Americans, you know, against the aliens. And then here you've got actual peace with the Russians that they were working, that the Americans were working with the Russians for this 
cohort one in Air Force One, and it's uh, extremists. It's Russian extremists, right? So it's people on the fringes. Right. And I think that's yeah. really interesting that we didn't have enemies. And that's one of the reasons why, like, the X-Files was sure. so big, because it was, like, within the government conspiracy <laughs> stuff. Like, yeah. yeah, we had no externals, which is fascinating to me. Yeah. And, I mean, this is also interesting because this year is – well, another thing we considered along with the volcano in Dante's Peak is this is a weird year because it's right before the Bill Clinton scandals kind of coalesced. Mm. They were always around – but everybody kind of liked the president and it seemed chill. So <laughs> there was movies like this one and like uh, absolute power where like the president's evil. And yeah, so there's kind of this idea that, yeah, things are chill. But I, at the same time, I think they loved a kind of like a Bosnia adjacent uh, bad yes. guy and like James Bond and stuff that essentially that there was these Soviet people out there and they loved a serial killer weirdo uh, like ray liotta will be in our second movie too i think that's every generation loves a serial killer yes it's like <laughs> yes. you can stick that in any generation everybody loves it and the more yes. caricature yes. the better all right let's get into air force yeah. one because i know we're all itching to do it so of all the enemies the u.s has loved to battle it's the russians but in 1997 things were pretty quiet in the soviet union so how did hollywood create an enemy to hijack a plane occupied by the president and his staff, with the president played by all-American curmudgeon Harrison Ford going head-to-head -head against chameleon-accented Gary Oldman. In fact, Ford still says his favorite enemy he's gone up against is Oldman's Korshinov. Graham, you have a special relationship to Air Force One, so do you want to just walk us through the plot a little bit before we get into this? Sure. The, uh, the plot, as it were, <laughs> uh, the president and co. are all on Air Force One. Uh, they have just... Uh, put a big enemy of both America and Russia in prison, and he is flying back to America and boarding the plane as some press uh, folk who turn out to be terrorists, terrorists from a, a, like a fringe group that wants to uh, unite Mother Russia or something like that. And, uh, and they take over the, the plane and they think that the president has uh, escaped through a, a, an emergency pod, but he actually is on the plane mm -hmm. and becomes kind of a, a thorn in the terrorist side. And he slowly wrangles back power of Air Force One and, uh, and defeats the bad guys, which is no surprise. And it's also uh, from, I did not remember this, but it was the mumbliest movie <laughs> I've seen in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I missed so much dialogue. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, uh, and it's a dad movie. It's dad movie mm. supreme. I know my dad's enjoyed it. Uh, and I, I do too. You, there's a certain age you pass and then all of a sudden you want to hear, uh, you want to hear like an old guy taking, taking over. He you know? literally says, get off my plane. Get off my plane. Yes. I am fascinated by this movie. And I was telling Graham earlier that when I started to watch it, I was like, this is absurd. Oh no, it gets more mm -hmm. absurd. Oh no, it gets weirder. And it's interesting to me that when it was created, it was created with this air and intention of being as authentic as possible if a situation mm -hmm. was going to happen. But watching it now, you're like, no, no, that can't happen. That can't happen. At the same time, I, like another movie that I know is kind of similar was the the like Olympus Has Fallen movies were all about like, we talked with the White House about what the procedure is when, <laughs> when the like DC is attacked. And that one's way more preposterous, whereas this one at least seems a little like we're hearing a lot about procedures. I mean, we learn about the Constitution. It's like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's a whole thread of like, what does the Constitution say yes. about whether the president is the president yeah, or is not yeah. the president? So apparently, that's based on an actual event uh, when Reagan was shot, which people might not remember. Reagan was shot uh, by John Hinckley Jr., um, who was trying to win the love of Jodie Foster. That's a story I'm sure we'll get into eventually. There was a attempt by Alexander Haig to take over the government because he believed wrongly that the Secretary of State was the person who was in charge if uh, something happened to the president. Mm. Apparently, Haig had been jockeying for more power, so this was actually uh, considered a coup attempt, and he was later ousted in part because he tried to grab power while Reagan was out of commission. Wow. Ah, so that was a real thing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great, uh, yeah. It's a strange movie because you're right. And, and Wolfgang Peterson is kind of a classy director who becomes this disaster movie guy after this, pretty much. 
but before what else did he do after it what what, what uh, poseidon is kind of his big uh lampooned one because he tried to remake it but i think from again from a that point of view but i guess so he did outbreak which i guess is a bit of a disaster oh yeah that's still a disaster movie and then the perfect storm which is kind of the classiest uh, oh, George Clooney and uh, I believe mm-hmm. that you're forgetting his before stuff like Das Boot and, of course, The yes. Never Ending Story, which this man has a very <laughs> eclectic resume. Yes. Well, I mean, he's a, he's a very fascinating guy because he's he, he like he's essentially Jurgen Proch now, who's barely in this movie, who is the general who's in jail, who, who weirdly at the time was a fairly recognizable American actor. Uh, it was they were kind of a team. And Jurgen oh, Proch really? now is like the hottest thing in Germany. Uh, and they actually, they have like a very groundbreaking gay film, which is kind of fascinating from, from Germany, which you wouldn't think, but then they did dust boot and that just like rocketed both of them to huge, uh, international fame. And yeah, I, I have no idea why never ending story was his first choice <laughs> of an American movie, but it's a good movie. I don't it know. It is a good movie. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Maybe just like uh, movies about things that could fly. Maybe that yeah. was deep seated in his psyche. And ap- apparently he got deep into almost directing, uh, Harry Potter and he, he, at the end, was like, nah, I don't want to do it. So he, he still had that magical But there child, weren't enough uh, right hooks. I think that's the problem. Not enough right hooks, sure. you know. It's, but, they're, but they're still dealing with takeover. Like, he's really good at these, like, big, grand set pieces that are happening from within. Like, Das Boot is, like, mm-hmm. so realistic and so gritty. I remember that was a movie I kept yeah. having to pause and then walk away and be like, I am not in a submarine. Everything is fine. I can <laughs> yeah, come back. Yeah, so claustrophobic. My yeah, goodness. and that's kind of yeah. the same thing that he's done here, except for he's translated it to big budget. And a lot of independent filmmakers like that can't do that translation and i think he does that really well is just like das boot but sped up sure mm-hmm. and it, he, an interesting thing i've never seen it but he used the money from air force one because he had a crazy payday oh, yeah. for this i think you, you had a fact where it's like he made 40 times what the president makes <laughs> or whatever but uh, <laughs> nice. uh yeah exactly he used it to essentially release a uh, uh, like a Quentin Tarantino style director's cut of Das Boot that's like seven hours long and, and on TV, mm. uh, wow. which now is considered sort of the definitive version of Das Boot. It, it's like a, yeah, a giant movie. But it, it's, yeah, it's very weird. It's also trying to get in like the headspace of the 90s because I w- watched a clip with Glenn Close and she was like, oh, I really wanted to work with Wolfgang Peterson to which you're like, well, he's like the disaster movie guy. But she loved uh, In the Line of Fire uh. that clint eastwood the other dad movie that he did which and yeah so i guess it's like there's this 90s thing of adult thrillers that are taken sort of seriously and are like pseudo oscar because i mean dust boot was up for like eight oscars too yeah there i read an article about like what happened to the adult movie like Mm. a movie that was made for adults like it's kind of all centered around what young people want to watch this kind of like, yeah, because you're right. Like in the line of fire, all those Clancy's and whatnot yeah. were meant, <laughs> you know, meant with an older audience in mind, but I don't know if those exist anymore. No like big budget. We actually talked movies. about this when we talked about Michael Clayton is that it's claimed that Michael Clayton was the last of the adult movies. And that was 2007. <laughs> and I mean, going back and watching that wow. one, man, that movie's great, but it's right. Like anytime after that, mm. you don't have these like really intellectual thrillers where like things no. are sort of plotted out and it's about this like organization you have to have. I mean, Air Force One kind of combines the best of both those worlds because there's like enough explosions and people getting thrown out of planes and like, you know, bizarre plane crashes. And, and bullets to keep like a certain demographic entertained and then the other half is like here's you know what happens when a president is incapacitated in 25th amendment stuff yeah. which yeah, we were exactly. not concerned yeah. about until recently so you know. Pre- pretty much all the glenn close as vice president stuff is incredibly like dry and for adults like no kid is excited about like the procedural chain of command chain of command exactly like i also feel like in the future that his daughter would have been a bigger role right like even five years later you would have had that girl like sneaking off and doing stuff but she's really just a hostage in this it's like hard to picture like i think i could picture obama maybe taking on a terrorist or two but can (laughs) can you imagine Donald Trump or Joe Biden sneaking around shooting. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine Bill Clinton either. I mean, that's the, yeah, they go out of their way to be like the usual, like uh, he was a decorated Vietnam veteran, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. To try to make, but I do like, I I will say another thing I like, which I think has kind of gone the way of the Dodo is he is a pretty regular guy other than the ability to fly a plane and shoot a gun and like being a little crafty. 
yeah. he, he kind of sucks. Like, he's not good at... He shoots the gun a lot, but he doesn't hit a lot of guys. <laughs> no, and that's true. There's, like there's a, part a lot where of bullets flying around yes. a fly, flying vehicle. <laughs> yes, that is true, too. I definitely expected... They don't really have the, like, classic part of the plane blows out, which is in our other movie, and they have to deal with that, because I guess Air Force One is meant to be bulletproof, and they're like, yeah. But anyway, right. I, like, I find that... And, and every fist fight he has... It looks like a kind of old guy having a fist fight and barely winning, which I kind of appreciate because nowadays it's all John Wicks and and, uh, Takens where they all have like Krav Maga skills. But it's also a really interesting contrast from how you see him cat and mouse with Gary Oldman. And people talk about this as being like Mm. one of Gary Oldman's greatest roles. They called him Scary Gary on set. Like he's, he's, you know, terrifying. But you don't really get to see them confront each other very often. And when they do, it's a psychological battle. It's not a physical battle battle which is interesting to me as well I'm what you came for don't forget that then I killed them just one you pick that's what you do in the white house you play god well I mean except for that one scene where uh, he kicks the crap out of him <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean that's true he does get to kick the crap out of him in the end but yeah you're right it's a lot of like and it's a lot of Gary Oldman early on, essentially like calling your president a real cuck. He's like, "Ah, oh, this weakling escaped on a pod." And they, the, the weird thing is, like, you kind of wish there was no trailers for this movie because they don't show that the president's on the plane. They go about twenty minutes pretending oh, yeah. that he's not on the plane. Yeah. It's a great reveal, yeah. Uh, but it's like too bad that I mean, I, even the trailer, I seem to remember that he said, "Like, get off my get plane." Off my plane. In it. Well. Yeah, I don't know. I, Graham, what do you? What's your feelings on Harrison Ford as like an action guy? Do you do you like him? I can see like exactly what you're saying is like he looks like a guy who is an average kind of guy. Uh, you know, he's got like an average kind of build and and looks kind of like he's good looking, but he's he's not stunning. I mean, maybe sure. some people would disagree with that, but he looks like he looks like a regular guy, and I think that they did a good job of making it like. He's not a crack shot. He's not yeah. somebody who can knock people out with one punch. Like he's just he's getting thrown around just as much as the bad guys seem to be. The only thing that's so hilarious is that he wears the suit from the beginning of the movie to the last frame of the movie. He's wearing True. the same suit, never takes the coat off, never, never not, undoes the tie. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. You think, yeah, it might be, or just get torn. Yeah, like he's exactly. in a million uh, crazy situations. What yeah, do you want to bet for God, authenticity's I mean, sake? He insisted on wearing that suit the whole time and it stank to high heaven. Yeah. <laughs> just, well, the sure. one, just the one suit covered I mean, in blood. I, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre where they're all just covered in the yeah. corn syrup. Yeah, like you, you're used to eventually them stripping down to a white layer so that you can see mm-hmm. how much you know scuzz ends up on them <laughs> and uh it like it didn't happen in this movie no. he's just he's ready to go right back to the white house yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. i think what was remarkable yeah. to me is how proud he was of this movie when it was coming out and how mm-hmm. proud he still is of this movie like this is like one of is his right? old standard films where he's like i'm really proud of what it says about america and i'm really proud of like how much work we put into it and like it's his thread pulling that string pulling string pulling not thread pulling different pulling mm-hmm. um that was able to get this as authentic as it was because apparently they couldn't get access to the real air force one which is obviously like you know a bunker it's impossible to get to so yeah. what he did was he went to some sort of event that bill clinton was at who just happened to be hanging out with glenn close because of course and he was like hey man i'm just shooting a movie uh can me and my people just come hang out on air force one for the day and bill clinton was like sure why not come hang out on air force one so that's yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. how they got on to be like okay this is what it looks like but like they were surrounded by like guys with guns the entire time they're like yeah mm-hmm. there's no way and the other thing i love is that in the this interview i watched with charlie rose harrison ford talks a lot about how this is his ideal of what leadership should look like in the 90s and he talks about the opening speech so much and it's about like people really getting out of politics and doing what they think is right getting out of this bipartisanship and i'm like that's really interesting you're seeing that then and that's the statement you're making (laughs) tonight i come to you with a pledge to change america's policy never again Will I allow our political self-interest to deter us from doing what we know to be morally right? And I also, like, I found Gary Oldman's character had a real, like, logic to him. He wasn't Mm -hmm. just like, we want to rule the world. It's like, (laughs) 
you as a country have invaded all these countries and killed hundreds of thousands of people and just because you want to save on gas yeah and you're like that yeah. sounds very realistic like you're like that's <laughs> what grievance uh, uh terrorists might have with america as opposed to like we want a billion dollars or we want uh you to like uh, pull out of some area like they want one guy released, which is logical and sane. And then his his logic actually makes sense, kind of like like uh, Thanos or something like yeah. where you're like, OK, I do understand this. There is a logic to there that I can I can see. Yeah. And I, I like that he kind of gives speeches about which now I think is the go to of just about any bad guy on a movie, because I think they're all kind of like, you know, uh like 9-11 style terrorists now that yeah. he says like you know i believe something more than i care about my family like you kind of can't stop me because my beliefs are so strong mm-hmm. which is yeah i think that's it's you're right and it, it is interesting where it's like oh he's kind of right some of this stuff is kind of right and the fact that harrison ford kicks his ass and throws him off a plane probably is not going to like stop u.s interventionalism <laughs> in overseas yeah. how do we feel about the fact that the worst death like the most horrific death in this movie is saved at the very end for the traitor yeah that's right oh yeah he is that's right <laughs> i mean i think Dar- gary oldman's neck snap is <laughs> maybe worse uh, no he fa- okay let's see the plane gets hit and then it falls into the ocean and then it mm. turns over repeatedly in the ocean as you're watching a little cgi version of him get tossed about and then the plane explodes like that's pretty intense i i do think that xander berkeley who plays this like turncoat uh secret service agent is like that's one of the coolest parts of the movie because they reveal him to be bad right at the start he's the first bad guy you know and then they don't let it they then they have him sit there for like two hours to the point where you're even like, maybe this guy just bailed on the terrorist idea and is literally helping out. Like, it seemed logical to me that he was uh, he was like, OK, I'm a, I'm on the good guy side because mm. the bad guy side has uh, been taken over. So I'm <laughs> yeah. just going to be back on good guy side. And he would have gotten away with it if he mm. didn't freak out in the last you know, yes, scene. Two where... seconds. <laughs> Poor William H. Macy. There was not a movie in the 90s. He was getting out of unscathed. <laughs> it's just not. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I got to say, I was shocked. My memory of this movie was pretty bad, and I was shocked he got as far as he got, I'll be honest. I thought he was going to get got right away. Yeah. yeah. And real, like, a waste of William H. Macy. Yeah. But this like, is yeah. Oscar-nominated. Yeah. Like, this is when he was still, like, oh, okay. he hadn't even played the minor in Mystery Men yet, I don't think. Sure. So, you know, mm. he still was kind of building his name. He was big deal on Broadway, which is probably where they got them. Um, I think this is an excellent use of Glenn Close. I'm actually really oh, impressed at, at, number one, how much they give her to do um, and that she gets yeah. all these great scenes that it, you have to be a really compelling actor because she doesn't do anything. She stands in a room and talks policy, right? But, like, just watching mm-hmm. her reaction shots when she's on the phone doing the negotiations and how powerless she actually is but doesn't want to give that impression, it's a really great line she plays where she never becomes too whiny or, like, you never actually feel like she's powerless, like she's always on the up. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. It's a great performance. If we're going to act, we have to act now. It's too risky. The president is up there with a gun to his head. He's asking us to do that? To Air Force One? He's not asking. Your commander-in-chief has issued a direct order. Do it! I, I watched a I watched a nice little video of uh, Glenn Close um, talking about it because she was super late cast because she points out that her wig is a wig from another movie because <laughs> she just had to throw on whatever wig was handy. Uh, <laughs> but also, I think what you're talking about where this movie seems to like I couldn't find much about it being a script that existed much before they started making it. I think they kind of made it as they went. Uh, And one thing she demanded was that her character was, it was always supposed to be a lady vice president. But when she came on, she said she wasn't going to cry. There was like a scene where she cried and she's like, the lady vice president would not cry in front of anyone. So it's cool. I don't know. It's often too, like the people on the ground and like, uh, tra- you know, or traffic control or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they all know what they're doing so well. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was like, yeah, people are, they don't know what the rule is and they're going back and forth. And because that's probably more like what it would be like. It wouldn't be like mm-hmm. stations, everybody, and, and just keep doing <laughs> what you're doing. You know, it would be a lot of like, who's, I'm the boss. No, why are you the boss? You know? <laughs> 
yeah, if anything, we're really missing the air traffic control element <laughs> that's usually in a in a plane thriller. Don't worry. There's no we're gonna get plenty sweating. more of that in the next yeah. film we're talking about. True. True. She's not a stewardess, she is a flight attendant. <laughs> flight yeah, attendant. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's a crazy movie. And I love there's so many nice little turns. And I think that's a lot of like back and forth between everybody. Cause I mean, Wolfgang Peterson, th- I believe they shot a whole thing of Xander Berkeley explaining why he turned bad and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, it doesn't matter. And, and I mean, I love the fax machine lady that knows about <sighs> the fax machine. My Wonderful favorite, moment. uh, like kind of mirroring scene in the movie is when the kind of all the hostages are uh, jumping out of the plane with parachutes, the fax lady, Mm-hmm. flies very close to camera and she's yeah. having the time of her life. <laughs> yeah. She's so happy. And then you see that exact shot again and it's Gary Holdman with his neck snapped. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we. I, I guess we should get into the sort of wild CGI shots. But that one of her is a delight. It's uh, so funny. There's so, something about the corniness of that like green screen makes hers hilarious and Oldman's hilarious, but in the right way, I think. I think but, also like they had, it gave because it's like a humorless movie there's no jokes in it except like one where harrison ford says if this works you get to be postmaster jail i was like that's very funny that's a good line (laughs) yeah but yeah there's not a laugh throughout the entire no especially compared to modern action modern action movies i have a tough time i think being straight-faced but this one is very straight harrison ford gets a couple cracks but not much it is no john mcclain no but i think the smartest thing they do about it is that you are genuinely scared for the hostages Mm. like the hostages are like okay they're either going to shoot down the plane or they're just going to shoot them all one by one and you see right Mm. away like the what's so great about this villain is that he makes it very clear right away he is not messing around and he shoots someone in the first Mm. the first second uh whereas the next movie we're going to be talking about that doesn't necessarily happen and the the hostages sort of disappear but you become attached to these hostages and they do such it's one of the best opening sequences where they're introducing you to an ensemble cast as he walks through and you know like people are talking about the football game with him and you're seeing the staff and you're seeing how much they like each other and like you're just getting this introduction you're like okay people this is their like work environment they like this and now they're all being executed and so you immediately have that feeling of oh no but i like them i don't want them to Mm. die horribly so you you it's a brilliant way to introduce these characters and and up those stakes because you care yeah yeah and i mean that that's the probably the greatest scene in the movie is the like when harrison ford could give himself up to save the like nice press secretary and realizes it's like the greater good that he just lets her die. And yeah, you see him struggling with it and <laughs> his kid watching somebody get executed. Uh, yeah. And it's like oh, real yeah, bleak, right. real bleak stuff, but uh, good. Like it's a, yeah, again, I guess this is the Wolfgang Peterson feeling like he wants a realistic kind of drama. Uh, yeah. Was, were all these type of movies, did they, were they in the wake of Die Hard? Was Die Hard the first, like, lone These man taking on These are all considered a... Die Hard scenario movies. Even though there was okay. stuff like that beforehand, that's really considered the center point and the gold standard where everything sort of goes off from it. Yeah, right. I also, there's like, I mean, since I guess we're, this, this episode is really the plane movies, too. There's yeah. like a lot of this weirdly this is kind of the 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 peak and it was climbing up i mean because like die hard is planes passenger 57 always bet on black with uh uh, wesley snipes is kind of the same thing i remember that line i love that line (laughs) yes again a great one and he's like yeah he's like an air marshal that's accidentally on a flight and he ends up being kind of the one against everybody and my my favorite is executive decision the like Kurt Russell, Steven Seagal one. Oh my um, God. This is now, this is real, like a trip through oh, memory lane. Yeah. This is so, funny. so the 90s had a real, which, like, I love pulling out explanations and God knows why the 90s. Because <laughs> all most of the plane hijackings, I think, are in the like 70s. Yeah. But weirdly, that's also with, the, with the, 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 um, the jump, right? Where we don't have really mm. any of these sort of disaster movies or even really terrorist movies in that way in the mm. 80s and the early 90s. We kind of have this big like they're not all vogue anymore if you will and suddenly they all start coming back and then 9-11 happens and no one can make them anymore for another decade or two right yeah right then it's gotta be thanos (laughs) (laughs) it's just gotta be thanos absolutely but like do you think that filmmakers like the challenge of trying to make a movie 
like that big in scope on such a small like yeah. literal oh, yeah. area. Oh, yeah. I think it's it's also like it's both a challenge, which I think people love, and I think it's a t- challenge for writers because I think especially that's I, I I think why executive decision has like a amazing screenplay, but I would also say Air Force One is pretty good because you're trying to figure out how do you get stuff on and off a plane, like what is the negotiation, what is the and you're trying to figure out a new way where well like what will happen with the plane you know are they going to shoot it down i think that that's like the big thing you see with both of these films is they have the ability to now cgi some fighter jets to maybe shoot down the airplane which is like that probably i mean you look at those scenarios and they're often like people who have big um big resumes some of their best work like sydney lumet have a look at both dog day afternoon and 12 angry men both of those are very similar in Mm. that they take in the same they take place at the same time there's lots of argument uh, arguing happening within it but the stakes are so high that you have to keep everything moving forward because you're with those people the whole time in this this like pressure cooker right it's also a way to save money i think (laughs) because you're really just building one crazy plane set and often those plane sets i think especially something like a passenger plane set to be fair obviously air force one and famously even turbulence apparently built a very elaborate set but I think a lot of plane sets just sit around and you can just get one. You know, you can rent a plane set. Well, this one can, apparently was so realistic looking that people were going by it at LAX and being like, oh, Air Force One is at LAX. I wonder what the president's doing here. <laughs> and that it almost got shot down out of airspace because apparently the people there were like really concerned it was like an unidentified airplane, but it looked like Air Force One and they thought it was some sort of incident. They managed to get that cleared up. But yeah, apparently it was real, real looking. Wow. Can you imagine? Harrison Ford dead because he was blown up in a plane. Well, actually, that's uh, probably mean, going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I can imagine Harrison Ford dying in a plane crash for sure. That guy loves to crash this plane. I mean, that's the other thing I love. With any, like, this guy seems like a real, like, grumbling Republican president. And it's like, all I know about Harrison Ford is he loves flying his plane and just smoking so much weed, which yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to trying to envision that with him on Charlie Rose being like, we need a less messianic president. Like, who is this guy? I just want to know more about that guy. <laughs> What's his deal? Right. I don't is know. it also weird to you guys that Gary Oldman turns in not one, but two of his greatest villain performances, of which it is a abundance of riches in 1997, because he also has the fifth element this same year. Oh, yeah. Oh, Dang. wow. And then what? when did uh, uh, The Professional or That's, Lee, that's earlier, 94, 95, yeah. And I think that's what got him this, right? Because this is also a guy who loves to yell. <laughs> this yes. is a guy that loves Go to Go quiet and then scream. yell, 94. Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like there's a real through line between those two guys. Well, th- this guy's, like you say, uh, he's a bit more of a ideal ideological guy. The, the professional guy's just nuts. But uh, That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He has no... No, no structure to <laughs> no. his... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And also, I mean, we, we actually researched a bit on... Uh, fifth element and it's kind of fascinating when we talk about the 90s and this effect stuff the fifth element had at the time the largest explosion ever captured on film really which, which is like yeah so they were also pushing the boundaries as much as we're like cgi blah 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 they were really pushing the boundaries on what was physically happening on set as well and i think probably wow. it peaked then you know, like, I, is anybody bothering to make that big an explosion it's anymore? It's also too expensive, CGI. especially in yeah. terms of insurance, because if it can be done with CGI, which in certain cases we are seeing sure. it should just be done with CGI. I think yeah. that's the biggest thing is for insurance and safety purposes. People are pushing more and more towards that. Yes. Yeah. Don't don't make bigger. <laughs> don't listen to me on that regard. <laughs> and also, we don't even know that. Like, I had to read that. I never would have noticed that the explosion in Fifth Element was the biggest <laughs> ever. Death yeah, of time. exactly. Yeah. Like, also, uh, what, what year did Jurassic Park come out? Ninety three. So this was after Jurassic yes. Park. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I feel like always when there's uh, a movie like Jurassic Park, which is like, okay, this is now the standard of what CGI is supposed to look like. Yeah. And then you see this several years later, and yeah. it feels like something as bad as what would become before <laughs> Jurassic yes. Park. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of rough stuff. The the explosion behind him is real rough. The stuff that's on the ground at the airport is tough looking. 
The, yeah, it's when weird. When it crashes into the ocean, it literally looks like a flight simulator <laughs> video game. This is also the yes. same year as The Relic, which is one of the first horror movies I saw, so I have a very soft spot in my heart for it. But mm. you look at the creature in The Relic, and it's, I sure. mean, you see, I mean, even now you see really bad CGI and stuff. It's just like, mm. it depends on how it's used. It depends on how judiciously. Like, one of the reasons why Jurassic Park holds up so well is you can't see the CGI because it's so judiciously used. Yeah, yeah, I believe there's like famously the crazy thing is that there's only like four minutes of CGI in Jurassic Park. They they wherever possible avoided it. And they also I think it it had post-production that went on forever because it was Spielberg and he was allowed to just be like, we're doing like, I think Spielberg was like the star of this is the dinosaurs. They have to look immaculate. And that's why that movie it's, it doesn't even look like it's aged that much. It's kind of wild. Yeah. But, it's the same with the independence day because they had, all models so you're like there are mm. this does look like a thing blowing up as yeah. opposed to yeah like some oh totally. and jeff goldblum is and ageist I, ageless right i also think it's worth saying like because there's actually three plane movies uh, becky will be talking in another episode about con air but i think ah, especially yes. turbulence and con air compared to this one it's a lot more practical. Like turbulence, I think is mostly practical and models and things. Con Air, I also think. I think maybe Con Air. I think it's a lot of models because I think even going through the Hard Rock Cafe is a model. It's the I sands. Think. It goes through the sands, and that's no, it's not a model. Okay. It's the real sands. The sands was closing down. Glo- uh, the sands was closing down, and so they crashed <laughs> the actual plane into the Vegas building to be able See, to get that shot. Is- this is the stuff that they're missing nowadays. <laughs> That's Not right. enough casinos yeah. we, <laughs> shutting down for yeah, us to drive planes through. We have a movie coming to Hollywood Suite called uh, Shakedown, a James Glickenhouse movie. And, and I got to go to a Q&A with James Glickenhouse. And there's a part where Sam Elliott's fighting a guy on a roller coaster. <laughs> Nice. And Sam Elliott just like shoots the tracks and the roller coaster goes off the tracks with the guy on it. <laughs> and if somebody asks like, oh, hey, can you explain like the special effects process? And then he goes, uh, we turned the tracks around and we shot a roller coaster. Off it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the whole crowd like went wild because he was like, yeah, no, we just threw a roller coaster off the roller coaster. <laughs> Why? We couldn't afford to do anything else. And we we're like, oh, yeah, hey, what was hey. it? you got a better idea? How <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why would we spend money when we can just fire a roller coaster off the roller coaster? Oh, uh, there's one. There's one thing that really stuck out to me is one of the henchmen goons really gives up being a henchman where he has a gun pointed at his head and he tells like when they're asking is everything all right and he says yes it's like will you turncoat like you everybody else is putting their life on the line and yes. you're like not me man <laughs> I'm, not, yeah. I'm not going down for anybody <laughs> he ultimately gets a, gets sucked out the plane too right. i like that when his buddy <laughs> blows up the door and ruins the pressure yeah. This movie yeah. is absurd. I'm I'm glad I watched yeah. it. I'm glad it is now in my like pantheon head of things that I have now seen thanks to this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Had you never seen I've it never before? Seen it before? No. This was oh, wow. uh, I wow. spent as as you will hear in the Air Force One episode. Uh, the boy that I liked really liked uh, Nicolas Cage, so I snuck into both. Oh, Con Air, you're Con Air and Face Off. So yeah. I snuck into both those movies with the boy I liked, but not this one. So that's why I hadn't hmm. seen it yet. Okay, fair enough. Good choice. I think I think so. I stand by it. I'm sure he has a great job in a bank somewhere, so that's good. <laughs> that's, that's how I wish people well. All right. When we come back, with Harrison Ford's performance being so little, we needed a performance that was off the scale enormous, and Ray Liotta is going to give us that in abundance. And also, Lauren Hawley, just giving her for the team. That's coming up after the break. 
Visit allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's allbirds.com code SUPER24. There's a twofold definition in the word disaster movie. Both, of course, a terrible tragedy occurring on a large scale on screen and a total tanking of a movie that destroys the studio that created it. Turbulence hit the screen on 1997 and crashed the film division of Reicher Films. Was it that bad? Or should it have been saved on the strength of a frankly bonkers performance of Ray Liotta and the potential star power of the original on-screen Betty Cooper herself, Lauren Hawley? Cam, Turbulence, and if we're going to be honest, the multiple inexplicable sequels. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, yeah. I mean, number one, uh, we're, we're probably going to have a lot of fun at Turbulence's expense, but I very much enjoyed watching it. Uh, I think it kind of rules in its own way. Uh, but yes, Turbulence also, uh, like you say, total disaster, but managed to have a fairly successful direct-to-video franchise, including, uh, th- number one, they're very Canadian films, full of Canadian actors, so I suggest people look them up. Number two, Turbulence Fear of Flying is about a group of people who are afraid of flying in a terrorist situation on a plane, <laughs> which is delightful. Uh, number three, Turbulence Heavy Metal is about a hacker taking over a plane during a heavy metal concert, and yes, the heavy metal musician has to fly the plane. Uh, which is amazing. A guy named Slade, uh, who is played by the lead singer of Spirit of the West uh, oh, for really? Canadian fans. <laughs> yes, yes. Wow. It, it is a crazy film that is worth, I'm glad Turbulence exists for heavy metal. Uh, anyway, Turbulence, and both of those make Turbulence 1 look like Air Force basically, <laughs> because, uh, yeah. They're, but I also uh, much- love that the sequels are like, you know what people love? The turbulence. <laughs> That's what people are here for. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so yes. we can do that any which way. We don't need uh, oh, Lauren Holly back. We just need turbulence. Yeah. And also, it's it's interesting because both of the uh, both of the sequels have actors who I think have had comebacks, but at the time were like kind of laid low. Turbulence three has Joe Montana yes. and like Gabrielle Anwar. And wow. Turbulence 2 has Jennifer Beals as the, like, uh, you know, yeah, it's kind of just like, okay, these guys are starring in a movie that stars the guy from Spirit of the West. <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? Uh, anyway, Turbulence, uh, to, to quickly go through the plot, uh, as you say, it's actually a very complicated yeah. plot in a way. Um it's kind of a few a few threads. Thread one is Hector Elizondo is a police officer who has sort of railroaded Ray Liotta, who is a guy who skipped bail. Uh, Hector Elizondo believes he is a serial killer and a rapist. Uh, Ray Liotta maintains his innocence, and the film doesn't really let you know uh, for a while. Um, he is being transported to Los Angeles to go stand trial. Simultaneously, uh, Lauren Hawley is her expects her boyfriend to ask her to get married, and he doesn't. So she is heartbroken. He in fact dumps work. her without even yes. say, saying it to her face. He yeah. sends the doorman. He, he <laughs> 90s right. style ghosts on her completely uh, by sending a doorman. Uh, so there, she is uh, kind of miserably working the Christmas uh, shift on this plane, which is meant to be mostly empty. It's got, you know, 10 passengers. And then it has uh, Ray Liotta and uh, strangely cast playing a Southern um, robber, Brendan Gleeson. Um, and then through a series of events, the the pilots are killed is basically the main problem. Uh, and then Lauren Holly is left not knowing who to trust. Uh, as Ray Liotta seems like he might be good, he might be bad. Uh and she, but she seems like the person who has to fly the plane. Uh, we also have people on the ground, uh, led by Rachel Tacoten as the, you know, as we said, the flight control. Deck. Who is also in Con Air this year. <laughs> yes, also in Con Air. She is the wow. woman who is who did two 1997 put upon. Uh, yes, she is the she's the police officer on the plane. She's the guard. Air, yeah, right? yeah, the, who solely yes. exists for uh, to be harassed and Rape menaced threats, by Johnny Twenty Three. Yes. yes. I think she kills. She gets to kill him. She does. Cool, though, that's correct. It? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and then the like th- farthest plot is uh, the guy from uh, Chariots of Fire. Ben Cross is another pilot that is helping Lauren Holly and maybe Sparks fly. 
Uh, yeah, so that's that's about it. And slowly we are revealing. I mean, if you want to know it unspoiled, pause now and watch Turbulence. Uh, Ray Liotta is a maniac <laughs> who essentially turns this into like a almost like a horror movie. Like it becomes uh, flying the plane, and then also like a slasher movie where he's just menacing. We talk her. about a lot of uh, performances on the show as being unhinged, but I feel like this set a new bar for unhinged for someone who oh, was yeah. not directed at any point. There is no conduction of those performance yeah. there was just we're going to aim you like a missile please just go and terrify lauren holly which if yeah. i was acting opposite that i'd be terrified as well so yeah he really like he he ray liotas all over the place <laughs> yes he's like yeah because yeah, it's a lot of the things that he's uh that he does really well in uh goodfellas where mm -hmm. he's like come on help me out and then he then he goes nuts on somebody <laughs> yeah and so yeah. He was, yeah, he was really fun to watch in this. It was really, really, uh, like you say, unhinged is, yes. is the word. Yeah, I, Becky talked to me like halfway through the movie and she was like, I don't know, do you really want to do this? And then I went and watched it and I think I was like, Becky, you got to watch that back half of that movie. <laughs> that Ray, Ray Liotta is going to do something that is going to change your mind on Turbulence. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, it did. You are correct. <laughs> back of yeah. it, I was like, this is wild. And the fact that it turns into speed at the end of the movie, I was like, sorry. What? Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, it's it's weird that, like, the, the murderer, serial killer, rapist on the plane is literally, like, one of the least of her problems. Because Ray Liotta's plan is to just crash the plane into Los Angeles. So she, like Air Force One, has, like, F-18s on her tail wanting to blow her up. And, and they don't trust her to properly land the plane. There's a whole thing where at one point they pseudo-almost land and she accidentally gets a truck caught on one of the landing gears that's, like, a whole plot. And one of is, the, my favorite things in that is when that truck uh is flying through the air under her wheel is somebody goes it's a ford <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean this is so th like this as you say this movie is totally unlikely i mean i i know that you wanted to talk a bit about uh susan seidelman's husband jonathan brett wrote this but from what i can tell he wrote a spec script that he sold for a million dollars and i i am not sure how much of that survives because it was rewritten by Stephen A. D'Souza who wrote Die Hard. So this is, it was rewritten by like the 48 hours commando Die Hard guy. That's why this one I think feels a little more like an eighties action movie. Cause it's bonkers. Yeah. Uh, and it's also directed by Robert Butler, who is mostly a TV director, but he also directed all those old Kurt Russell movies for Disney, which is kind of weird. Whoa. He did like the computer wore tennis shoes and like the barefoot executive. So, wow. yeah, but he's a guy that had mostly been doing TV in the lead up to this. And, and as you said, like, I guess to also quickly get a lot of the, get my info dump out of the way, Reicher Entertainment that produced this is a, mostly a TV thing. I, I think, Graham, you will love how weird this company is. They started off as uh, Bing Crosby Productions, <laughs> number one. Nice. Uh, so they were producing like Hogan's Heroes and stuff. They went <laughs> away for a while, and then they returned in 1991 specifically to distribute Saved by the Bell. I knew that that. I knew that it had some kind of like. I <laughs> yeah. remember the Reicher. You logo. remember it's the like the little skyline at the yes. end of Saved by the Bell. But then then they became pretty huge because they were Saved by the Bell, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, and Star Search. So it was all the like. Uh, oh, wow. you know the syndicated stuff of the early 90s and right. that becomes so huge that they eventually team up with MGM for this movie deal they do it does continue on as a TV thing for a while and weirdly it does Oz and Sex in the City like the early kind of HBO hits right. but then it, it completely gets consumed in 2001 but yeah this MGM deal I think as you were saying Becky was not great. No. It, it gave us some movies that you might like, like Primal Fear, Kingpin, the the silly comedy. Private Parts, um, if you are a particular Howard Stern yeah. fan. Yes. I think Pri Private Parts is actually not a bad movie. It's what If I you're a Howard of, Stern uh, fan, I yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a particular sure. love yeah, there. Yeah, yes. yes. Uh, Kiss the Girls, I think, kind of rules the um, Morgan Freeman, Ashley Judd thriller. <laughs> the, the first of those. Uh, and the, actually, Don Roos is the opposite of sex. is great, too. But yeah, they they all their MGM ones, it's let's see the two days in the valley which was kind of have a hit kind of like a tarantino riff house arrest which i've never heard of starring jamie oh. lee curtis and kevin pollack have you ever yes, seen? yes i know that very well <laughs> oh I do wow know house arrest i've definitely seen house arrest <laughs> well there you go graham number one house arrest fan <laughs> turbulence 
Zeus and Roxanne, which is the one where it's like a dolphin and a dog team up. It was like a kid's With movie Steve that I feel like Gutenberg. nobody watched. With Steve huh. Gutenberg. And that's it. Yeah. And then, so uh, the other reason why, why this existed at all is MGM w wasn't producing anything at the time. They were in the middle of some sort of financial deal. So they kind of desperately turned to places. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just a kind of a wild business thing. <laughs> we love these little, little business things, but yeah. it's weird. I don't know. It's weird that Turbulence took them down. I think it's just because Turbulence caused it. It so did. Much, and the other thing I think truth. is really interesting is that this is their second time using Lauren Hawley. And then they also paired her in a romantic comedy with Greg Kinnear, who they also used in another mm. film. So it seems like they were kind of trying to build their empire around these two actors who are fine actors. I wouldn't just say that, like, they're, I wouldn't say, mm. though, that they're like household names like the biggest thing lauren holly had was dumb and dumber she had just come dumb off dumber, that movie yeah. and she was married to um to jim carrey and so that yes. kind of made her a tabloid household name because you know what kind of weirdo would be married to jim carrey but uh but i think <laughs> somebody who likes to laugh yeah she has a story of, right? i watched a, i watched a clip of her on what which watch what happens live i've been going to what watch what happens live for research a lot recently and i don't know a why a lot of great dirt a lot of I great dirt on that show I don't know why. I think sa sassy women who tell it like it is. That's enjoy. right. Well, she was talking about how, like, uh, apparently they got so bad with the tabloids that, like, they were going through their garbage to look for things. And so uh, Andy Cohen <laughs> asks, did you ever plant something? And she goes, I was married to Jim Carrey. Of course we planted stuff. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have... Graham, do you what do you think of Lauren Holly? Could could she lead a movie? I don't know. Like like you say, I knew her primarily from Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, and I didn't. The funny thing is, I thought she was quite good in Turbulence because mm. she really plays. She doesn't ever become somebody who's like, okay, now I know what I'm doing. Like she yeah. never, you know, she kind of figures out little things, but she doesn't become this because even in the movie, they're like, okay. Uh, automatic pilot will land it. You, you've gotten us this far. To, we're not going to get you to land the plane yes. because yeah. So she never, she never gets that confidence back. Uh, you know, in the movie, like she's she's always second guessing everything. So I thought she was good. I thought she was very effective in the role. So I, I would say, yeah, you could build, you know, the direct to video uh, thriller certainly with her her in the lead. I think. I yeah. think she's. Oh, playing sure. the script and the script isn't good and I think that's the issue <laughs> and so a lot of people actually do pin this film's failure on her performance they talk about how she's inappropriately cast really? she's not a good action hero but Graham I'm with you I think she's playing the script as hard as she can and it's just there's nothing there she's not an active participant she's just reacting to everything and I think it's a take on like I really do think this comes down to speed is that he's using the Sandra Bullock character in speed as the model mm. who is much more active in that literal driver's seat than uh, Lauren Hawley is and I think that's the problem with it well because but in speed though Sandra Bullock picks up things so fast that it's you know what I mean like I feel like Lauren Hawley is more like what a person would actually be like True. On a, a plane of something insane like this happened, like you're always looking for help somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so, and two times in the movie when Ray Liotta turns out to be uh, the psycho <laughs> killer and is trying yeah. to kill her. And then also where, when she realizes that the, <laughs> that the government is getting ready to blow her plane out of the air, <laughs> she kind of reacts the way that you would like, oh, yeah. I, 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 I trusted somebody and now it's been taken from under me, you know? Yeah, it's true. I, I, I do think it's, it's interesting. And, she like there are some i think that there's some kind of eye roll turns obviously there's like a, they try to build a weird maybe sexual tension between her and ray Liotta, which is stupid <laughs> that's right because he's also like the weird thing is is he's always unsettling like he yes. always seems weird even if you don't at first he's know if he's a ray Liotta. like there's <laughs> yeah. a reason karina karina did this... not work like I, I was completely. I mean, yeah. This is a whole other thing to say. Is like this is the mid, like post Goodfellas, where they're trying to make Ray Liotta a leading man, and and I think both him and Lauren Holly kind of have the thing where it's like they're very good looking character actors. Yeah. I think you yeah. know they're they're more, and he gets the role that's a little more charactery, and she is unfortunately stuck in the like thing where she has to eventually like nut up and shoot him because she's like too nice to begin with and can't shoot him and also um, he's supposed to be this like so smooth talking mm -hmm. uh 
that he's talked all these women into and then he kills them and he's still playing that note like it's yeah. kinda, like he's like oh what do you, what's your favorite book what's your favorite uh, book? And he's just so yes great. that's true after after he's like clearly she thinks pretty clearly he's murdered everyone <laughs> <laughs> that he's still trying to flirt with her and it's so weird where is everybody you know i was kind of wondering that myself oh they just disappear it's kind of creepy isn't it so let me ask you something what's your favorite movie what's my favorite movie yeah what look don't answer a question with the question all right only stupid people do that and you're obviously a very bright woman now what's your favorite movie but I even mean, like, when he gets on the plane, I, I had not seen this movie before, and I was confused at first because I was like, oh, is she in on this, like, terrorist takeover? Because he just kept asking her such weird stuff when he's like, like, what's the movie on the plane? He's like, oh, it's a wonderful life. What's that song they sing in it? <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is obviously some sort of code. Not, but it's just him being so it weird. It is just yeah. to allow him to sing Buffalo Girls at the top of his lungs yeah. as he creates man. That's and, the best and scene. It's so good. Menacingly play It's a Wonderful Life in the back. We should say, like, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess I kind of touched on it, but this is like, cue this up for your alternate Christmas festival because this is very Christmas. But is that because this is the diehard guy and he's like worked once with Die Hard, let's do it again with Turbulence. I, well, I mean, there's there is this weird thing, and I I, I want your guys' opinion on it. But there are multiple acts because Shane Black sets almost yeah. all his movies at Christmas. Almost every Lethal Weapon is a Christmas movie, so it's like, yeah, what is it about action movies and Christmas, guys? What is it? What does it Stakes. mean? Stakes. The yes, and it's just like a weird place to set a movie. Like the thing that I don't know if you guys if it bothered you or a lot, but like the decorations on the inside of the plane. <laughs> yeah. Like Roger Ebert said the same thing is like, that has that ever happened on any plane in the world? Well, I mean, I, I like the little exchange at the start where she's like, Oh, they really did it up. And then the other, the male steward you barely see is like, there was a contest and we lost. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, a wonderful little script note. But uh, so, yeah, you're right. It's so weird. There, there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of moments you just can't think about it my my friend would say I had drinks with my friend Trevor last night and he was like you know that like the whole plane flips over which is a wild thing but he's like you know that everybody pretty much everyone alive on that plane is crammed into a little room and he's like and it flips over those people are dead right <laughs> he's like those those people all landed on their heads but that's right? the other thing that's fascinating <laughs> to me about this and you can't say it's a budgetary thing because this is a 25 million dollar no. movie like this is not and a it cheap looks great movie. it looks looks like a professional big action movie and like we were saying in some ways it looks better than air force but the One. hostages disappear like they just put them in a little room and then you don't hear from them i forgot they were there i was like did he throw them out the Same back here. was there like a action well like i think that's i mean that's i the one thing i give it that i think when they're playing that kind of horror vibe in the last act is that i think they want you to think all those people are dead okay yeah and there's like a weird there's a weird moment where she's walking through the cabin looking for her flight attendant friend. Mm -hmm. And then there's a, a skateboard sitting on one of the seats and she stares <laughs> yes. at the skateboard and you're like, oh, she's going to end up using the skateboard yes. to, yeah, it's a, it's to a do Chekhov something skateboard. to Ray Liotta. Yeah. Oh yeah, my God. I mean, yeah, never happens. <laughs> I definitely want to talk about that. They set up like the opening of this movie is a pretty typical action kind of thriller opening. And, and they set up a lot of the stuff that you would expect. Like, and it drives me nuts in a movie where they're like, oh, they show somebody with their like, you know, kit of diabetes medicine. You're like, oh boy, somebody's going to go into diabetic shock. Maybe they're going to stab somebody with a bunch of needles. Like you, I love that stuff in my head. And this one is crazy. Cause yes, he has the skateboard. They have the kid come on the, the, thing with a skateboard they have the old lady kind of being like she's a little frail and you're like oh what's gonna happen with this old lady and nothing and happens the husband's with like let me sit on the outside i yes. gotta sit on the outside <laughs> yes there's all like, this okay that's business gonna come about back. yeah what people are gonna eat and drink and you're like oh well he's gonna have a steak knife because he got steak and it's like no but that's why gonna, did they make brendan gleason southern there is no reason for that man no. to be southern what would you like locked and nail you baby there's two strike stubs. One more and I will gag you. You got a sharp fuse, Marshal. It's gonna be a long flight. Uh, the whole Brendan Gleason of it all. Like, Brendan Gleason is the guy that hijacks the plane. Yeah. 
seemingly not in coordination with Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta is just taking advantage of the situation and Ray Liotta kills Brendan Gleeson <laughs> almost immediately, right. which yeah. is great for the like, is he good? Is he bad? But again, it's like the weird thing is most of these movies, like you said before, is like about a terrorist kind of a very distinct plan. Like Air Force One is a very elaborate plan that seemingly could never happen. Whereas this is essentially Ray Liotta taking advantage of a series of weird circumstances. He didn't want the, pilots to die the one guy just gets knocked his neck breaks or something like this is all random i'm also going to point people towards the most implausible thing of the idea of an empty plane at christmas time so they have to transport prisoners (laughs) like sorry what oh and i mean this is also one of those snakes on a plane planes that's like three levels tall and this is like the biggest possible 1997 plane yeah and it's the same air force one was like two two stories so at least you can have the characters not just up and down the same aisle over and over again yes true true and this one i mean the part of the reason it costs so much is because they had a set that could actually spin around so did they really yeah yeah they built a giant gimbaled set so they could turn it upside down Uh, vfx people (laughs) love this movie they love models they love this whole thing this was a whole so if you go on youtube there are so many making of documentaries about this because people are fascinated with the special effect practical element of it wow i mean yeah and it looks good i I can't deny (laughs) it's just all the crazy stuff happening inside the plane watching these interviews though because sometimes you get the minutiae that drive vfx people nuts that like you wouldn't think of as a filmmaker or as a viewer where they were like they painted the plane white and they wanted against clouds well guess what you're not going to be able to see and like and just getting so (laughs) upset about little things it's so funny they should have christmas wrapped the plane i guess they didn't do (laughs) that a big red bow as it goes through the sky yeah (laughs) then they would have won that competition (laughs) yeah yeah there you go that's maybe what won though yeah I, i but i love like as much of the silly stuff is silly i also kind of enjoy like i just think getting the truck stuck on the wheel is a great little gimmick and and then having the f-18 shoot the truck off instead of shooting her down is like a very charming moment (laughs) Uh, charming is used so liberally in this conversation i don't know the whole thing is just it's i i just love it and i love yeah crazy ray liotta just trying his best to crash that plane no matter what he's just shooting up computers (laughs) that he doesn't know how they work it's so weird. He also like I just found the I don't know like that the 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 people on the ground would chance a plane flying into downtown Los mm-hmm. Angeles to save one. Okay. So there are all of these like angry debates on the internet when you go down like reviews of this, like on Letterboxd and people are like, this wouldn't happen. She is very irresponsible for not letting them shoot her down (laughs) in the middle of the ocean. (laughs) It's like, yes, well, she's not Harrison Ford. I'm sorry. Also, is is, there, do do they ever deal with whether there's parachutes or not? Because that never even really comes up in this one. I don't think there are parachutes on commercial planes. It's the same as with, no, um, no, Air Force One doesn't have parachutes either because apparently if you're that high up, it's not safe and you're untrained, it's not safe to jump. So, as we learned in excruciating detail in Air Force (laughs) One of how low and slow a plane needs to fly. The yeah. weird thing is, too, in Air Force One, just going back to the one scene when it has, you know, when they're saying, yeah. like, lower the plane to mm-hmm. 15,000 feet. Um, there's a whole thing about a fax, and they see the fax coming, you see it coming in, and nobody picks it up. And then suddenly, somehow, somebody's yeah. picked it up. You know, Is there a scene where they actually pick up? It's a real movie? IMDb goofs. I don't remember that scene. I agree with you. I thought I looked away maybe and missed it, but if you also <laughs> didn't notice it. Yeah, I didn't uh, notice it. It's in the director's cut, guys, when it gets even yeah, more into pres- the minutia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm glad Lauren Holly isn't sending faxes, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, anyway, this movie is just bonkers, and I think it's pretty delightful, and I love also that Hector Elizondo is... He is a crooked cop who is ultimately right. <laughs> like, that's he right. lied and he planted evidence, but he's right. And I think that's why there's <laughs> yeah. such an interesting yeah. movie inside this movie. Like, I can see why they paid mm. for the treatment, what they paid for it. Well, not that much sure. money, maybe not a million dollars. But, like, the concept itself is kind of interesting. And especially, like, you see where the twists are supposed to be. And by the time, yeah. and I don't want to, I'm not doing my best not to be ageist here. Older people can make excellent movies as well. Um, but by the time the director got a hold of this, he was over 70 years old and mostly had television in his career. And I don't know if he knew how to handle the twists. Do you know what I mean? Mm, right. Sure. 
Yeah, and I yeah, like I mean, they built like like we said, they built in a lot of stuff, and then only a couple of things actually paid off. Mm-hmm. And but you could see that that's kind of like a mistake of a director is mm-hmm. like set up all these things and then none of them happen, and then you forget that there's even people there, and um, and then also the thing that I couldn't get my head around is. I'm sure they transport prisoners by air, but they don't put them on the same No, they're never as... on commercial flights. That is not a thing yeah, that happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, because imagine how, like, horrible you would feel that you've booked this plane trip, and then you're like, oh, what, we're on the prisoner plane trip? Like, I should <laughs> yeah, get a discount yeah. at the very I, least. I think they'll do, like, a prison-to-prison transport, but not often no, a guy who's, that's like... What- Con, to do yeah, trial. that's what Con Air was for, right? That's the entire point I, of Con Air. But, but do, does Con Air exist? Yeah, no, does, Con Air is a real special thing. Con Air is a real thing. Yes, oh. that is great. Is it really? Yeah, literally, we just Spoil- <laughs> spoilers for the future episode. Sorry, <laughs> actually, but, uh, it just yeah, happened, yeah. so it's not. So yes, oh, okay. so yeah, the Con Air is a real is a real thing. That's that's part of this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right, I think yeah. we need to end that here uh, with a revelation <laughs> that Con Air is a real plane. I mean, Con Air is real. Turbulence, you probably couldn't survive. Santa, Air Force maybe? One. Maybe. Uh, the, the pod is up for debate. Yes, in Air the Force pod, one. it's so funny to me that, like, there's so many things that came out after Air Force One of, like, this isn't real. This isn't real. It could never work this way. Please don't try this, terrorists. Uh, and the big thing, of course, yeah. is it, whether or not the escape pod is a real thing because they say it doesn't exist, but there's, like, a wink wink of, like, no. No, it totally exists. Yeah. So, and can I say that the one thing that Turbulence nailed uh, that Die Hard had is stripping down to that white yep. shirt oh, yes. and having yes. it just filthified by the end. It's, she uh, also gets a cool cut on her face, and I'm yes. like, I don't remember where she. <laughs> but she looks great. But it looks good. It looks badass, and she gets a very good like. She gets lots of good kiss off lines. She gets a lot more wisecracks. Yeah, she she gets to, to shoot him butt good at the end. It's uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good. That's right, and possibly yeah. fall in love. Yes, true. <laughs> She does get to fall in love. All right. Uh, Cameron Maitland, thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, thank you. And yeah, once again, a Turbulence 3 Heavy Metal uh, added to your the watch The trailer alone. Now. I sent it, the trailer to Graham for him to have a look. It is okay, good, uh, good, it's good. something. So I think the thing that is most fascinating that people are really excited about is that um, when the Heavy Metal guy gains control of the plane, uh, he then prays for their salvation. And a lot of people are really excited about seeing a Heavy Metal guy who oh, yes, is also but... a, a hearty Christian. So that's good. Nice. I mean, it's it's also Satanists. Yeah. Uh, the hackers are Satanists. It's all <laughs> <laughs> and Graham, thank you so much for joining us once again for this very weird trip out. Oh, thank you so much. I had never heard of Turbulence, so it was, it was neat to be able to see it because it was so much fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, good, good. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad yeah. we, we, we hit hit the ground. Because I was also like, abort, abort, abort. Uh, I'm glad we didn't. Yeah. I'm glad we stuck with it. <laughs> Graham, how can people hear you and your fun voice? Uh, you can uh, listen to my podcast called Stop Podcast Yourself. You can find it on all uh, the places you usually find podcasts. And I'm on Twitter. I'm at Graham Clark. And uh, on Instagram, I'm uh, at Graham Clark was taken. (laughs) Mm, Nice. I like it very much. And you can join us next week where we're going to be having a business lady special. We're also going to be joined by the fantastic Carolyn Morissette to look at Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion and BAPS. That's coming up next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the A Year in Film podcast from Hollywood Suite. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Want to email the podcast? You can do so at podcast at hollywoodsuite.ca. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Hollywood Suite. Hollywood Suite is the home of the movies that shaped the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Always uncut and always commercial free, Hollywood Suite lets you experience movies the way they were meant to be seen on four HD channels and Hollywood Suite On Demand. Subscribe today at hollywoodsuite.ca. The A Year in Film podcast is hosted by Becky Shrimpton and produced by Becky Shrimpton, Alicia Fletcher, and Cameron Maitland. And today, featured Cameron Maitland and Graham Clark as guests. Supervising producer is Ryan Maines. Executive producers are David Kynes and Julie Kumaria. Creative consultant is Emily Gagne. Audio engineering by Andy Reid. We'll see you next week. 